A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Many of Jesus' disciples who were listening said, This saying is hard. Who can accept it? Since Jesus knew that his disciples were murmuring about this, he said to them, Does this shock you? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life, while the flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus knew from the beginning the ones who would not believe, and the one who would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Jesus then said to the twelve, Do you also want to leave? Simon Peter answered him, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. We return to the final verses from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, reflecting on the bread of life. At the beginning of the narration, Jesus miraculously feeds a crowd of 5,000 people, challenges them to move beyond the need for signs and wonders, declares, I am the bread of life, the one who has come to provide the nourishment of living wisdom, and points toward the Eucharist as a meal of intimate communion with God. We might expect this culminating passage to end the chapter in triumph and illumination, with the amazed crowds lining up to join the Jesus movement. But John's story is moving in the opposite direction. Hearing Jesus' words, the crowds turn away, confused and disappointed. And many of Jesus' followers do too. The throng of 5,000 now dwindles just 69 verses later, down to the original 12. In the original manna story, barely two verses out of Egypt, the children of Israel grumble against God and Moses in the wilderness. They do not trust God to take care of them. Similarly, the group following Jesus initially receives the miraculous food and heralds Jesus as a prophet, but they too begin to grumble against Jesus. The response of the disciples to Jesus is an example of the irony for which John is well known. The disciples reject the idea that Jesus is manna, but in doing so, they display that Jesus is manna by responding to him just as the Israelites responded to manna. The very gift of living bread, the mutual indwelling and communion that is the source of real life, has become the reason why many broke away and severed ties with Jesus. What I think was scandalous about Jesus 
is that he was too common to have come down from heaven. He was too much like any ordinary human being. He was too much like you and I. As we reflected last week on the solemnity of the Assumption, holiness is an in-body experience. We do not experience God apart from our humanness. God has a human face. In Jesus, the Word became flesh to open us to the presence of God in our human experience. Jesus is the bread come down from heaven. His origins are in heaven. His manifestation is on earth. Jesus is not saying this only about himself. He promises that all who believe in him will move from heaven to earth, from eternal life into temporal life, from the bosom of the Father into a community of friends. The bread that I give is my flesh for the life of the world. This reverses the ordinary consciousness of religious people who are set in their belief that God is completely other and people are completely earthbound. The origin of people is from the earth, as we read in the book of Genesis, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. They have glimmers of a higher world, but they do not belong to it. Jesus seems to have it downside up. People are physical beings with spiritual intuitions, not spiritual beings seeking ever greater incarnations. Jesus' saying goes completely counter to normal expectations. It's difficult to both understand and accept. The protesting disciples do not rightly perceive the flesh of which Jesus speaks. They see only Jesus' flesh. They do not see the Word become flesh, the good news of God dwelling among us. Spirit and flesh must be held together. This is the heart of the Incarnation. We want God to fulfill us on our own terms, not God's. Instead, we are asked to swallow the flesh, to chew on the gristle of a God who is not what we want, not safe in heaven, not removed from the mess of the world, but a God who is in flesh, messy, bloody, weak, and faithful, a God who says life is to be found here, in that weakness, in that closeness to death that comes from loving our neighbor in the same way we love ourselves. As Walter Brueggemann puts it, we don't get God without the neighbors. As a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. John has just told us that Jesus knew from the beginning the ones who would not believe and the one who would betray him. The Greek word for betray means to hand over. But in John's Gospel, Judas does not hand Jesus over. Jesus hands himself over at his arrest, because that's what the Good Shepherd does. If we look at chapter 18 in John's Gospel, at the beginning of the Passion, John tells us that Judas brought forces from the chief priests and the Pharisees, 
and came to the Garden of Gethsemane. Notice how John describes the scene. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. Judas was no longer going about with Jesus. He was standing with them, with the forces from the chief priests. John is telling us that betrayal is not going about with Jesus, but standing with someone else. To betray Jesus is not to walk with him, but to go back into the things of the past. It means to live the way we always have. The dynamics of John 6 can seem pretty bleak. A crowd of 5,000 reduced to 12, and then Jesus looking ahead ominously to his betrayal and abandonment by those same 12. But John is a master of dramatic irony. He's telling us the story of those who misunderstand and return to their former way of life, precisely so that we might better understand and abide with Jesus. We are invited to a great ongoing communion feast, a feast on the Word, a feast, as Peter puts it, on the words of eternal life, given by the Holy One of God. For those who are alert to it, this feast is everywhere. Taste and see that God is good. Is good.